Delicious, meat nutritious, and the snack that packs a real protein punch, wonderful pistachios. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value and making wonderful pistachios one of the highest protein nuts out there. But perhaps more than that, I love all of the flavors they have. Their sea salt and vinegar ones are my favorite when I'm craving that flavor, but still want to keep it healthy. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. Wonderful pistachios come in a variety of flavors like chili roasted, honey roasted, smoky barbecue, and jalapeno lime, to name a few. Perfect for enjoying with family or friends and taking them with you on the go. Whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. So fill up with a healthy snack when hunger strikes. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. That's wonderfulpistachios.com. This is Optimal Living Daily, episode 1846, A Happiness Backlash by Emily Wise Miller with livehappy.com and your narrator, Justin Mollick. Welcome to Optimal Living Daily, OLD for short, old for shorter, where I narrate the best blogs I can get permission from, covering productivity, minimalism, personal development, and more. Now let's get right to today's post and start optimizing your life. A Happiness Backlash by Emily Wise Miller with livehappy.com. Is the happiness movement creating a league of shallow people and overindulged kids? Lately, there has been an explosion in both the science and celebration of happiness, as well as a focus on the tools we can use to help ourselves and those around us gain a better sense of well-being. You might say that happiness is in the air, in best-selling books, loads of articles, and even our own magazine and website. And of course, it is now also stuck in everyone's heads thanks to Pharrell's ubiquitous song. It's not surprising then that this critical mass surrounding positivity and an emphasis on happiness at home and in the workplace is producing something of a backlash. After all, a focus on happiness can come across as saccharine and shallow, but boiling down the tenets of happiness to a search for hedonistic pleasure would be a huge misreading of the movement. Happy Overload Last week, columnist David Brooks came out with a piece in the New York Times suggesting that instead of seeking to avoid suffering by being happy, we should embrace it as an opportunity for growth. While beautifully written and cogently argued, I think it misses the point. Over the past few weeks, he says, quote, I found myself in a bunch of conversations in which the unspoken assumption was that the main goal of life is to maximize happiness, end quote. But with all this focus on happiness, says Brooks, we are missing out on the true growth that occurs when we embrace, instead of avoid, suffering. Being happy does not mean avoiding suffering. Happiness wants you to think about maximizing your benefits, Brooks says, whereas, quote, difficulty in suffering sends you on a different course. Suffering drags you deeper into yourself and, quote, gives people a more accurate sense of their own limitations, end quote. He gives a mocking example of what he imagines a happiness expert might advise someone who is suffering. Well, I'm feeling a lot of pain over the loss of my child. I should try to balance my hedonic account by going to a lot of parties and whooping it up. But finding or embracing happiness does not mean whooping it up to forget our sorrows. Divorce, death, illness, injury, we will all experience suffering. What's important is not to arrange your life so that you never take risks, or keep away from those under the weight of suffering or tragedy. What's important is how you bounce back, 
grow, and help others recover and rebound after going through a turbulent time. The tools of positive psychology, gratitude, compassion, resilience, optimism, are indispensable when it comes to recovering from trauma. Raising happy kids. On April 16th, an article on the Huffington Post by Richard Weisbord, a lecturer at the Harvard School of Education and Associate Professor Stephanie Jones, offered a similar critique, this time suggesting that, quote, behind this relentless focus on happiness is an intense focus on the self and that, quote, happiness doesn't automatically lead to goodness, end quote. Exactly. In fact, happiness research has shown that it is the other way around, that being kind, compassionate, and giving to others actually makes us happy. The article continues, quote, with parents and kids, this focus on happiness and the self has real consequences. Kids are allowed to skip out on obligations to teams and groups because participation no longer makes them happy. They are free or even encouraged to drop friends who are annoying, weird, or just not fun. And they sometimes treat the adults in their lives like staff or as invisible, neglecting to thank them or show appreciation, end quote. Again, I would argue that the authors have it backward. An increasing number of studies show that raising happy, well-adjusted kids requires a focus on responsibility and respect, among other attributes, which then leads to well-being and happiness. Responsibility and respect build self-esteem. In fact, the authors echo many happiness experts in the themes of our own Acts of Happiness campaign when they write that we need to model behavior for our children by, quote, contributing to our communities, taking action against injustice, making even small sacrifices regularly for friends and neighbors, end quote. They continue by saying, quote, the data suggests that moral and caring kids tend to be happier kids and adults, end quote, with a link to the author's own research and book. But that same conclusion has also come out of the positive psychology camp with its emphasis on the meaning life as the most important attribute of happy people. According to leading positive psychologist Martin E.P. Seligman in A Meaningful Life, quote, meaning is increased through our connections to others, future generations, or causes that transcend the self. From a positive psychology perspective, meaning consists of knowing what your highest strengths are and then using them to belong to and serve something you believe is larger than the self, end quote. Look beyond the smiley face. I understand the temptation to recoil and play devil's advocate in the face of all this glowing positivity, giving rise to books like Barbara Ehrenreich's Bright-Sided, How Positive Thinking is Undermining America, and Oliver Berkman's The Antidote, Happiness for People Who Can't Stand Positive Thinking. After all, we are critically thinking, doubting, sometimes suffering people who could do without a bunch of easy, cheesy homilies and kumbaya drum circles to tell us how to feel. But don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. A focus on how we can make ourselves and others happier, including science-based recommendations for increasing our well-being, does not entail steering clear of suffering, nor does it mean going to more parties or letting your kids do whatever they want. The critics have a point in the sense that a singular focus on happiness can seem to gloss over some of the deeper and more painful aspects of our personalities, but they need to read further than the titles of articles and, according to Brooks, the, quote, more than 1,000 books released on Amazon on that subject, happiness, end quote, in one three-month period. The pursuit of happiness is easy to poke fun at, but if we think less about ourselves and more about our connections to others in the community and the world, the closer we'll get to that goal. 
You just listened to the post titled A Happiness Backlash by Emily Wise Miller with livehappy.com. I think I agree with what she's saying here. There's a lot of complaining that in the name of happiness, kids or people in general are allowed to do whatever they want, which can lead to disrespect, etc. But if we really were focusing on trying to be more happy, we look at it from a different angle, basically what Emily said, teaching and showing respect, treating others how we wanna be treated, giving more with no expectations of something in return and so on, which then would likely lead to more happiness. So the complaints feel a bit out of line. It doesn't seem like the actual issue is the pursuit of happiness itself, but more like the way some go about it or define it. I suspect also since you are listening to this podcast that you don't see a problem with looking for more happiness and that you can discover new tools, ideas, inspiration, and motivation to help you be happy more often without trying to completely avoid suffering necessarily. Some might be preaching to the choir, but in any case, I think it was a great point of view, especially since there are a lot of anti-personal development sort of takes on this or dismissing these kinds of things because they're too fluffy or something. Personal development or self-help can be seen in that way and mocked even, but hey, I think I've improved in different ways from it and I'm not ashamed to talk about it. I hope you have improved in some ways too and are also open to share it with others. Maybe they'll realize it's not as woo-woo as they think. So on that note, have a happy rest of your day and I'll see you back here for the Thursday show tomorrow on the last day of 2020 where your optimal life awaits.